You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. And the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, the Jordan River, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam. That is beside Zaratan. That's way north of where they crossed. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed. The waters failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. Wow. He rolled the barrier to the promised land, which was our sin, back all the way to Adam. So when Jesus died on the cross, He wasn't just dying for your sins. He had to be dying for the sins of every man that had ever lived. That's what gave Him entrance into hell and to bring those men out of hell with Him. Glory to God. You hear this? He brought Abraham out of Abraham's bosom. He brought Isaac and Jacob and everyone who had died in faith who went into that place, that holding place called paradise, which was not heaven, When you die, you're not going to go to paradise. You can go to heaven itself. Because that place doesn't exist anymore. Jesus went into that place and brought out all who had died in faith. And He had the right to do it because He rolled back their sins all the way back to Adam. Praise God. Praise God. The priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now here's the rest of the story down in verse 18. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. So Jesus then, what this means for you and me is that Jesus has rolled our sins clear back to Adam and has given us entrance into the promised land. Not into the kingdom. He puts the kingdom in our hearts and has given us the kingdom as though it's already ours. But that day is yet to come. What He has given us is the promised land. And between now and the time the kingdom manifests, you have a book full of promises that are all yours. Glory be to God. You have a covenant, the Bible teaches us. The new covenant never once ever says it was based in ordinances. It says that the old covenant was based in ordinances, that is, principles and laws and mandates. The new covenant never once says it's based in ordinances and laws and mandates. But about five times it says it's based on promises that's the big difference between the old covenant and the new covenant the old covenant was based in principles 
A new covenant is based in promises. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Glory be to God. The new covenant is more like a marriage. How many of you, when you stood up there and got married, how many of you are married? Let me see the hands of you who are married. That's almost everybody. How many of you hope to be married? How many of you wouldn't do it over? No, 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 no don't raise your hand. <laughs> Alicia, Alicia, raise your hand. <laughs> what did he say today? Is it the haircut? It's a haircut, isn't it? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have asked you. You're going to have some counseling to do, Miss Ann, this week. <laughs> <laughs> when you got married, you did, not, you did not issue threats, did you? It was all promises. A marriage is not about you issuing threats. And, and here's what I'm going to do if you don't keep this covenant. I'm going to burn down your house. I'm going to kill your parents. I'm going to do... No, that's principles. Because principles are always followed with curses. Mm. Take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3, real quick like. Galatians chapter 3. You saying what verse was that? Verse 13. Galatians 3, 13. Listen to this. We have a new covenant based on promises. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for everyone is written, curses everyone that hangs on the tree. Stay right there. Now the way we've read this in the past is that Christ has redeemed us from the curse that is in the law, but we still get to keep the law. That's not what the Greek text actually says. The Greek text actually says Christ has redeemed us from the curse, the law. Being made a curse for us. It does not say the curse of the law. It says the curse, the law. The law was a curse. Wow. So he said, this is the covenant I'm making that day. I will remove all the curse. Because I'm going to go after something that caused the curse. I'm going to go after sin itself. And the reason we know that Jesus really did take away our sins, I hope I can explain this. There are people in this world who believe that sins are just actions and that, that man does not have a sin condition. So you need to read the right Bible. So that towards us version that you read. The right, the right Bible teaches you that you are born in sin. Amen. And you have to be. My question to those people is this. If, if sin is only transgressions, only actions, then how did Jesus die? Because he never committed one sin. The wages of sin is death. If death can be caused by other things, then that means nothing. The wages of sin is not death. The wages of sin, is, it may be death, but, but death can come other ways. No. No, no, no. If the wages of sin is death, then that's the only way death can come. It's through sin. It's the only way death can come. 
through sin. That's the only way death can come, through sin. Are you hearing me? That means that Jesus really had to have become sin. Or had to have been made guilty of our sins. God had to reckon Him sinful in order for Jesus to die. No other way for Him to die because He never committed any sins at all. Wow. So that means that God once and for all took care of all sin by laying your guilt, your sin, your transgressions, your iniquities, everything that went wrong for you onto Jesus and then killed Him. As though he was killing sin itself. Somebody ought to lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Jesus. Roll our sins back clear to Adam. Let me read you something. Sometimes people make it seem like you have to have certain prerequisites or, or, or crazy life story in order to be successful in this world. But the truth is, you really don't. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you have or don't have, what you lack or what you have too much of, but all you need to have is faith in God. An undying passion for what you do and for what you choose to do in this life and a relentless drive and the will to do whatever it takes to be successful in whatever you put your mind to. Anybody know who said that? Tell you who said that. The greatest basketball player in the NBA right now is a guy named Steph Curry. He loves Jesus with all his heart. That's a direct quote from Steph Curry. He said, I was always the smallest kid on the team. And he said, when I graduated high school, nobody was standing in line trying to get me to come to their college. (laughs) He said, I do a little sign on the court every time I make a shot or a good pass, and I pound my chest and point to the sky. It symbolizes that I have a heart for God. It's something that my mom and I came up with when I was in college, and I do it every time I step on the floor as a reminder of who I'm playing for. Come on, let's do it, let's do it. Amen. He says, I can't say enough how important my faith is to how I play the game and who I am, so I'm just blessed and I'm thankful for where I am. Steph Curry. Good Lord. Good Lord. He's a little guy. He doesn't belong in the NBA. But somebody forgot to tell him. <laughs> somebody forgot to tell him and his God. Yeah. Somebody forgot to tell him and his God. We are well able. Yeah. Hebrews uh, 13, put up verses 4 and 5 for me. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Y'all edified today? (laughs) Verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Next verse. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He ha- Did you notice that he has said in the first, in verse 5, So that we may boldly say, If God has said it, you can boldly say it. Yeah. 
You don't need clearance for that one. If God said it, you can boldly say it. Miss Ann and I had a neighbor who was a good dude, but he was his own man. He'd come over and talk to me about the Bible some because he had a guy that was in one of the cults trying to pull him his direction. And he didn't really believe what the guy was telling him, so he'd always come over and say, well, he said this, and I'd show him what, what the Bible said. I just kept taking him to the, back to the Bible, back to the New Covenant, especially the New Covenant. The New Covenant. Not every word in the Bible is for you today. You've got to get that right. The New Covenant is for you. And uh, because the old is passing away. But the old tells us about the new if you'll let it. If you'll let it, it'll tell you all about it. That's where we are. We're on the old, aren't we? We're in Joshua today. Uh, this guy, I spoke to him several different times about the Lord and various things. I never really pressed him to try to win him to Jesus, so to speak, but just, just planted the seed in him. Then Miss Ann one day gave him a book. Joseph Prince's book. What was it called? Destined to Reign. Joseph Prince wrote a book called Destined to Reign. It is the most grace-oriented book I have ever seen. I never read the whole thing. Miss Ann read it all. She read most of it to me. <laughs> she can't keep anything to herself. She just... <laughs> especially if she likes it. Destin, any of you read Destined to Rain? A few of you have. High-powered, grace-oriented message. And then we went on vacation. Went on vacation to Branson. And I was going to stay two weeks. But there's only so much banjo picking Miss Ann can stand. <laughs> I could listen to it every day. She can take it about one or two sessions and she's kind of done. Any banjo music people lovers in here? There's seven or eight of us, honey. We're, we're growing. We decided to come back to the house and then take another week someplace else. And we came back to the house and she ran, did, did errands and, you know, just, just doing stuff, washing clothes and stuff. And she was in and out of the house running, running here and there. And I decided to do a little painting. So I raised my garage door and I set my easel up and I started doing some painting. While I was painting, I, I felt eyes on my back. I didn't hear anything, but I turned around and there stood John McClay, my next door neighbor. And I said, hey, John, what can I do for you? And he said, oh, oh, nothing, nothing. I don't mean to bother you. Uh, but, but when you get time, I, I need you to, uh, well, what do you call it? Uh, I need you to save me. <laughs> I said, what? I need you. I just need you. When you get when you get time, I don't mean to bother you, but I need you to I need you to save me. I put down my brush. I said, I'm ready right now. I didn't fuss with his with his terminology. I didn't spew it back in his face. Say, I can't save anybody. You gotta get. No, I didn't do that. So I walked over to him. I said, Come on in, son. Come on in. Let's go in the house. We went in the house and sat down. And I talked to him about Jesus. He already knew everything because he had been reading Destined to Rain. 
That grace message did not make him want to go on with his sinful lifestyle. That grace message wanted him to get saved, pressed him to come to Jesus. Are you hearing me? And he did come to Jesus and got baptized in the Holy Ghost a few weeks later. He told me after I prayed with him to receive the Lord, he told me, he said, you weren't planning on coming home, were you? I said, no, it's the craziest thing. My wife got in her head, we have to come home. He said, that's my fault. <laughs> I said, why? He said, because I started praying. He said, I got so far into that book and I realized, I got to do something about this. He said, and he said, I said, God, you got to bring John home. <laughs> I said, so you're the one... Next day I showed up. Amen. God can roll back the waters for you. Amen. Right where you are. If you'll emphasize the word, the written word, the covenant, if you'll emphasize it in your life. You see what happened, what caused those waters to roll back? It said when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant, the priest that bore the ark, when they stepped into that water, the water rolled back. What was it? They had that Ark of the Covenant. What was in the covenant? There were three things in that covenant. Three things in that golden box. Anybody know what they were? The law, the tables of the, the, tables of the covenant, it said. The written word, the bread was in there, and the rod that budded. All three of those represent the Word of God. The Bible, the, the tables, the, uh, the, the bread... Jesus said, I am that bread which came down from heaven, the life that's in the Word. And the third one was the rod that budded, which was Aaron's preaching authority. All about the Word, the delivery of the Word, the person of the Word, the preaching of the Word, and the Bible. Praise God, praise God. And when that Word stepped into that river, praise God, when the Word of God stepped into that river, the river could not keep them out of the promises. Amen. The barriers you have in your life are going to go away if you will start to emphasize the Word of God in your life. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. I was thinking about this the other day again. I, I've shared this several, maybe two or three years ago with all of you. But how many of you are free Americans? Let me see the hands of every free American in the building. Now, how do you know this? I mean, how do you know that in the night the Russians didn't decide they were going to take Alaska back and just come, you know, we bought it for nearly nothing, $15 million. People spend that on a house nowadays. How do you know that, that in, in the night the Mexico didn't just decide, we're taking Texas back. We want it right now. How, how do you know that that, that Canada didn't... No, never mind. That one won't work. <laughs> no. You don't... None of you even cared. Did your congressman call you up this morning and say, Hey, I just want to let you know you're still free. Anybody get a call from your congressman telling you you're still free? Did the president come on television this morning on the news and say, I just want to let all Americans know, even though I'm the president, you're still free. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Did he? No, he didn't, did he? 
But you, you all raised your hand. I said, how many of you are free Americans? You all raised your hand. Because you know that your freedom is not based on circumstances. Your freedom is based on something that was written and promised you a long, long time ago. Glory to God. If you believe the documents that were written in 1776 and 1781 and such, such as that, in 1789 when the Constitution was ratified, if you believe this, these documents to be steadfast and sure like you did, you said, I'm a free American. Get a hold of the Word of God, remember. As free as you are as an American, a million times infinitely more free you are as a child of God. You are free from your sins, glory to God, and you can trust the written Word to guide you in that truth. Amen. God will never change His mind about that. He's never going to get mad at you and say, all right, I've had enough. I've had enough, Greg. See, I saw you for the last time. I'm, I'm done. Throw a lightning bolt. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never going to throw a lightning bolt. Now, Miss Ann may throw a lightning bolt or two at you. I mean, I've had to do it to me. But, but, but God, God's never going to get done with it. He's never going to do that. Because it's an eternal thing with Him. Forever. 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 Forever, forever, forever doesn't just go forward, forever goes every way. Goes every way, glory to God. Now let's look, let's, let's look down here at the walls. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. So the people, Joshua 6 and verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they took the city. The walls of Jericho fell down flat. What that means to you and me is Jesus has granted you success in life over every obstacle you face. Jesus has granted you success in life over every obstacle you face. And I face some obstacles. Seems like I face them all the time. If you have to drive this freeway to Dallas like I do, this, this nice little highway we have going through here turns into an, a demonic freeway just across the river. A diabolical plot hatches on the Texas side. Ugh. They call it North Central Expressway. It's don't, I don't know what, it, what, what word about it means express. It crawls. But he said he has delivered us from every obstacle. Every obstacle so that you can have success in life. I was, uh, years ago, I was the uh, administrator of a Christian school. We had about 150 kids in a Christian school, which was part of the ministries of our church that we pastored in West Texas. And we had a really wonderful thing going there. Lots of people in the church and great, great school. We really enjoyed our, our time in San Angelo, Texas. One day I was in there in the school. The teacher said, Dr. Holler, Pastor Holler, they called me then. When uh, you walk into our classrooms, we have total peace for 30 minutes or an hour after you leave. Would you walk in there every day for a little, a little while? Just, just pass through. Just walk into our classroom, show your face. Remind these students that there are people that are bigger than us here, and it, and it they calms them down. The teachers all told us that. I said, sure, that's nothing, that's nothing hard. 
So I started going into the classrooms. I went into the second grade classroom. And we had the ACE program, so they had, you know what that is? They had these little cubicles all lined up against the wall, you know, and they sit there and they learn in their, their own little pace, you know. And they have these little flags they put up when they have a question. And I felt, I felt, I felt secure in answering a flag because the flag meant I had to go back there and tend to the question. So I walked back there, and I'd had the training as an administrator. And I, and I felt secure because it was second grade. <laughs> I'm pretty... I'm pretty good with second grade work. I am. I, I, I really do real good in, on the second grade level. And, and are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> I, do, I do real good on the second grade level. I about been down there and I asked the child, I said, what do you have? And she had some little math problem. We figured it out and we were, she was happy. I said, anything else I can do for you? And her name was Tiffany. I said, anything else I can do for you, Tiffany? And she's looking up at me like this with her eyes brimming with tears. She said, yes. Would you pray for my mommy and daddy? I said, what's the matter with your mommy and daddy, buddy? She said, they're getting a divorce. And little lip quivered. They're getting a divorce. And I said, oh, baby, that's not right. Your parents are Christians. She said, I know, I know. And so I knelt down there beside her, and I took her by the hands, and we prayed together. We asked God to do something that we could not do and save this marriage. And then I had her dry her eyes, and I dried my eyes. I said, now let's rejoice like we got it. So we, we worshiped the Lord for a little while. We thanked the Lord for, for the answer to the prayer. And I said, you better now? She said, I'm better now. <laughs> so I walked out. I, it was a week or two later, it wasn't much later, just a, maybe just a few days. I was in my office, and uh, the principal came into my office, and he said, uh, Pastor John, did you know about Tiffany's parents, I'll say. He, he called them by the last name. He said, did you, did you know about Tiffany's parents? I said, yeah, I did. We, we prayed about it. And together, he said, "Well, they've stopped. The, they've canceled their divorce proceedings, and they're back in church. And they go into counseling. They both dropped the lawsuit." I said, "Really?" I was surprised. You know, <laughs> I have to admit, I was surprised. I, my prayers worked. I think it was her prayers more than mine. <laughs> I said, "I got to go talk to Tiffany." So I jumped out, jumped up out of my seat, and ran that burst out of my. Out of, my out of my office and ran across the, side the sidewalk into the other building, burst into that classroom. I said, i got to talk to Tiffany. The teacher said, she's right back there. So I went back there, slid back to there where <laughs> Tiffany was. I said, Tiffany, Tiffany, I just heard the news. She said, what? I said, about your parents. She said, oh, isn't that great? And we just rejoiced in Jesus for a little while. And she stopped and she said, that was on the news? <laughs> I knew it was a big deal to me. I mean, I think the whole town would care about it. Well, it's a big deal to God. Amen. Amen. Your victories, as small as they may seem to you, are a big deal to God. Amen. They have news in heaven. The Bible says that a party breaks out in heaven every time a sinner gets saved. It may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to God. Amen. Amen. So you worship the Lord like you already see your success. And the third, the third miracle was the sun standing still. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12. I, I want to back up and read Joshua chapter 10 and verse 9 or 10. Find the best place for that. I'm not sure exactly. Let's read it together. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly and went uh, from Gilgal all night 
talking about the Amorites, and the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and to Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones, cast down great hailstones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, and they died. And there were more which died with hailstones than they whom Joshua slew, the children of Israel slew, with the sword. Now let's read the next verse. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ayalon, Ajalon or Ayalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to go down about a whole day. Glory be to God. One grand miracle of God getting involved in the fight with, with Joshua. I want you to understand something. The Bible does teach us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have a weaponry and an armor to put on. But our armor, if you'll read verse 18, let's put Ephesians 6, 18 up there. After he tells us to put on the weaponry, and the armor, he does not say, now go out to battle the enemy. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You put on the armor of God to pray, to pray, to pray. Man is not your problem. Women, men are not your problem. I know you think all your problems start with men. Menstrual cycle. Menopause. (laughs) Most definitely. I know you think all your problems start with men, but they don't. Come on, preach a little while, he said. Man is not any of our problems. Even the the devil is not really your problem. He's going to fight you and resist you, but he's not really a problem because he is already a defeated foe. God fights for you. If you are in a battle, you remember this. If you are in a battle, you need to remember God is already in that battle with you. You do not have to beg your father to protect you. You do not have to beg your father to protect you. That's his job. Woo, glory to God. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I don't beg God to protect me. I don't have to. That's his job. I don't beg my father to provide for me. That's a father's job. Amen. When God is your father. But if you see him as your God and not your father, you've got to beg him for everything. That's why you hear so much begging and praying. And I can tell the people that know their sons the people that think they're slaves by the way they pray. Jesus has defeated your enemy. He ain't trying to. He's not thinking about it. He's not coming up with a plan. 
He has already defeated your enemies for you. So your response is this. Be angry and sin not. Use your confession of faith. Use your confession of faith. Be angry and sin not. The same passage that tells us to be angry and sin not says let all anger and wrath and clamor flee away from you. What's it talking about? Is the sin not a command? The sin not is a command. Well, the first part of that is a command too. Be angry. It's not a privilege. It's not a permission. It's a command to be angry. But here's the thing. The only way you can let off anger and malice and all that flee away from you is if you're angry at the right person. You're supposed to get angry at the devil and the injustice and stop being so angry with people. Because as long as you don't know who your enemy really is, you'll always be angry with people. But you can let all anger and malice fly away, flee away from you, if you will just get angry at the devil and stay that way and never let the sun go down upon your wrath. Sun, stand there still! Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Get angry and stay that way. Get angry at the right person. Get angry at the right person. My mother beat my brother senseless one time because he enticed me into doing something wrong. Now she caught me doing the wrong thing. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Oh, come on. I was just a kid, you know. She caught me doing the wrong thing. And boy, she was so, woo, she was hot with me. But then she learned that my brother had put me up to it. I got scolded, but he got beat senseless. <laughs> she beat him till he wished he, 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 was, he was sorry he had ever been born. He was sorry that the Democrats had won the election. <laughs> he, was, he, he was sorry there. There had been sun and moon created. I mean, he was, he was, she hurt him bad because she was angry with the right person. See, the devil has no chance of being redeemed. And God took his anger out on him. Got tired of taking it out on you and took it out on him for a change and defeated him and now while, what we're doing now, when you get hindered by the devil, all you need to do is not pray for victory, but enforce the victory that is already yours. Enforce the victory that is already yours. Let's read thir- Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 again. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now the reason he says be content with such things as you have, what things do you have? You have a covenant with God. He didn't say you live in squalor. If you're broke, stay that way. That's not what he's saying. He said, don't, don't, don't have to desire what Dylan has. Don't have to desire what Alan has. Don't have to desire what anybody has. You don't have to be covetous. Be content with what you have. What do you have? You have the promises of God. You have all the promises of God. It does not matter what somebody else has. Who cares? What you have and you should be content with, is the promises of God, which means that He will supply all your needs according to how wealthy He is. Praise God. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. I want you to stand to your feet real quick like. I've got something to say to you. We're going to say this together to God.
What everything comes to your mind when I say what I'm about to say, we're going to speak victory over that thing. There's something that's on your mind, something that's on your heart that has bugged you, that has yet to come to pass for you, has bugged you maybe for a week, maybe for a year, maybe for a decade. And you're going to say, I'm boldly proclaiming my victory today over that. Okay? And name that thing. If you don't want somebody else to hear it, just name it quietly, but name it. Move your lips and name that thing. And we're going to speak to our trouble today. We're going to speak to our Jordans. We're going to speak to our Amorites. We're going to speak to our Jerichos. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. And we're going to win today. In Jesus' name, I speak to this thing. And you know what thing it is. I speak to this thing. Go away. Roll back to Adam. Walls fall flat. Hailstones follow my enemies. Sun, stand thou still. Jesus did this for me. And today it is mine. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise be to God.